Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Flag Fly Forever with Mike Gianella, John Hegland. Samuel Hale, and the Baseball Prospectus Fantasy Team. Welcome to episode 249 of Flags Fly Forever, a Baseball Prospectus Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Uh, I'm Mike Gianella, with your co-host John Heglin. And behind the glass is Samuel Hale. And we are here to talk this week about second base. How you both doing? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I was I was considering making a joke about being um, pumped and dumped, but it, it wasn't really gonna gonna work. So I, I left it on the cutting room floor. How about you, Samuel? I mean, it's a pandemic <laughs> outside, so pumping and dumping has not been in, in my arsenal for quite a minute now, sir. But I, I mean I, about, I was talking about stocks. You're talking about stonks? Stonks. You're doing yes. some stonks talk? Well, we may do some stonks talk in a little while, but I mean, second base is what we're here for. And let me tell you, the stock price for second base has never been hot. Wait, hang on. I'm reading an article here. Oh, that actually may not be true. No, it's not. Getting worried here. That may not be the case. I think that's that's our pre-show bit. Go, Mike. Take, take I, 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 I'm just completely lost right now. And you know, speaking of lost, I, I've followed what, what's happened with this, you know, stock scandal. And I'll honestly admit, I have no idea what what a lot of this is and what's it's for happened. the better, really. Honestly, and I, it's it's one of those things where it's almost like a real life thing. Often you log on to Twitter and and you've been off for a few hours. Like, wait, what are people talking about? Understand this. Like, I probably don't need to understand. So I'm not going to bother. This is like that, but in real life where it's like, yeah, the less I, I know the better. So yeah, let's, uh, let's dive into second base. So, uh, what we're doing is as it were. So what we're doing is, is what we do every week, which is we're going through, uh, my, my tears. Um, I, I think before we do that, what we'll also do is we're going to go through John's um, state of the position overview from from Monday. So, John, before we dive into the tiers, um, what is the state of the position? What what did you find? I think your your headline was I don't know if you wrote the headline, but the headline was not pretty. Yeah, that was that was a JP Breen headline, um, but you know it captures the thrust of my my article. I think the the main takeaway is that the position seemed to it, it seemed like it might be um, turning into a 
a place for, um, off, you know, for multi-category offensive output, like in the middle of the decade. We had the rise of Altuve. We had people like Brian Dozier, sort of power steel players. Um, and it really only took a few players to kind of either retire or to, to drop off in performance for second base to return to um, a pretty pedestrian position uh, on the whole, uh, especially when you compare it to shortstop, which has become the marquee position in the game. So it's kind of a meh position. I mean, as we'll see, as we'll see when we go through the tiers, you know, you get below the top tier and you end up with um, players who might be promising but have a lot of uncertainty about role, um, players who might be sort of on the downswing of their careers, you know, players who don't seem to really um, excel in any one category, even if they'll give you minimal production across the board. So it's a place where I think you have to go into a, a draft um, with a plan for second base. Yeah. And you, you kind of stole my question, which is, you know, we, we talk a lot about not, you know, drafting for scarcity, you know, not necessarily targeting, you know, players in a certain round. Well, I generally do agree with that. The more I looked at second base, you know, in my research, I came to the same conclusion, which is, well, you know, it might be one thing might be okay to pass on the first few names or, or not reach for them, but it's another thing entirely to just be like, ah, you know what, I'll, I'll see who falls to me in the 23rd round. Like that's, that's not going to work. So yeah, let, let's, uh, let's dive right in. So, you know, one of the things that, that happened, we don't have a five-star tier. Uh, we, I, I decided, and, and the staff kind of agreed there, there was talk about one player. We'll, we'll get to him in a, a moment. Uh, we decided not to put anyone in, in the five-star tier. This is the first time at a non-catcher position. Yes. I'm sorry to remind you about catcher that this has happened since 2014 when I've been doing these rankings either entirely or in part. Um, yeah. So John, I don't have anything to add to that, but I, I think it just emphasizes what you said, which is really as good as the best second baseman are, I don't think that you should reach for one in the first couple rounds. Well, the NFBC ADP agrees with you, agrees with us um, on the the lack of a five-star player because there is not a single second baseman being drafted in the first two rounds. And that's that's where the five-star players are, basically, right? right? Yeah. So so it, it's not like we're, um, you know, way out of left field. Uh, with with this, you know, with, yeah. with having no one in the five star tier, but it yeah, it just does indicate that the position's in kind of a um, fallow period, at least you know for elite, you know, um, right. very high end options. Yeah, well, there's some very good players in the four star tier, and you know, let let's let's kind of start there. Um, you know, rather than just spending the next ten minutes going, there's no there's nobody here. <laughs> so the five players in the four star tier, you know, they're this is certainly not fallow. I think they're all very good. Uh, DJ Lemayhu, Ozzy Albies, Whit Merrifield, um, Ketel Marte, and Keston Yura. So John, is there you want, you want to start with that that group? Why don't we start with LeMahieu because he was the one player that there was at least some discussion um, about putting in the five-star tier. And I'll just, I have a point to make, but I'll begin with a, a, um, a mini quiz here. Using Steamer's projections, there are three players in the entire league who are projected to have at least 650 plate appearances and a 290 average. Now, obviously because I brought it up, DJ LeMahieu is one. Uh, can, you, can you guess the other two? 
What were the criteria again? Six six hundred fifty projected for six hundred fifty plate appearances, and at least a two ninety average. Oh boy! And uh, I, you, you don't have to guess for for very long. Is one of them is one of them Jeff McNeil? It is not. It's okay. not a terrible guess. Samuel, do you want to pipe in here? Uh, you... can, no, can I guess Whit Merrifield? Not a bad guess, um, but I think he's projected below 290. Um, you won't be surprised, but there two are, are Freddie Freeman and, and Juan Soto. Okay, yeah, and... so they're, they're higher-end players, so that makes sense. Yeah, I, I figure with McNeil, the plate appearances might be not there. Yeah, okay. But I just... I just when I was looking into LeMahieu, um, it reminded me of the conversation we were having about Freeman last week during first base week, where we were talking about how solid Freeman is across the board, uh, with the exception of steals, where he's not a complete zero, but he's certainly single digits. And the, you know, the relative wisdom of selecting a player in the first round who was basically not going to be a contributor in speed. And I feel like in a lot of ways, LeMahieu's uh, a similar player, but uh, you can still get him at the beginning of the third round. And, you know, if you're treating average as kind of a, um, a, a category to target, like say instead of steals, you're targeting average. The thing about both LeMahieu and Freeman is that you're getting a projected average that could very well be above 300 across a very large number of plate appearances. So I, I just want to make that you know, that point to underscore that, you know, although DJ LeMahieu is not a, like Freeman is not a speed guy and he's not an elite power guy, though he's, he's fine. Um, getting that average across, you know, 650 to 700 plate appearances really just cements your, you know, cements that category and yeah. gives you a lot of flexibility so, later in the draft. So I, you know, I, I do like LeMahieu for that reason. Yeah. So it's really weird because usually I'm the one, not, not so much with you, John, but I think with others in the industry, I'm usually the one championing, championing batting average and, and pushing back and be like, Hey, like, you know, don't forget it's a category. Like don't, don't throw it out the window. It, it matters, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I feel a weird, be, little weird being the wet blanket on LeMahieu. And, but it is kind of the other side of what you said, which is, he, he's closer to Freeman than you might think, and I, I, I wouldn't deny it. But so something I've been doing this year is I've, I've kind of been going back and looking at like the last 162 games uh, just because I don't really like rolling like 2019 and 2020 because it's too much. You know, 2020 is obviously too little. So, you know, if you compare LeMayu and Freeman over that time period, um, you know, Freeman, 35 homers, 119 runs, 136 RBI, seven steals, 307. LeMayu, 29 homers, 111 runs, 89 RBI, six steals, 341. I, I don't doubt that LeMayu can hit like 310, 320. It's just that if I had to bet on a 340 average, I, I'm just not going to bet that on any player. Uh, so that's kind of where my I kind of have some pause with LeMayu is that if he only hits like 300 or 310, I think he loses enough where he's still very good. But you're going to lose a little bit on him. And that, that's my only concern about a player who I, I think I agree. And he, he's great. And what's really odd is that I know when he signed with the Yankees, I, I was definitely the high man on LeMayu. And you know I made a lot of points where he had changed his swing. He had been a severe ground ball hitter in, in cores up until his last year with the Rockies. He was hitting more fly balls. People had kind of overlooked that. I thought he was going fit, to fit in very well in Yankee Stadium. And, and he's done all those things. So when I say I'm, you know, like wet blanket, it's more like, yeah, I'm not going to really reach for him beyond where he's at. 
Um, and you know, if somebody does, you know, if somebody gets him in the third round, I'm like, eh, oh well, I'll, I'll get somebody else. And it might be only one of the players here. You know, it might be Ozzy Albies. Like Ozzy Albies is. I think I might like Albies a little bit better for the growth perspective. And also because I have more confidence that Albies, you know, he's not a big base runner, but I have more confidence he's going to steal like 15 bases or so, assuming he runs. Yeah. Albies is still super young. Um, only just turned 24 this month. Um, so I, th- I think, you know, and wasn't he, I think he was fighting some, an injury last season. He had a wrist injury. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in 2018 and 2019, topped 100 runs. And I think that's kind of Albie's secret strength is the runs category, which almost nobody really thinks about, you know, except as, as kind of an afterthought. But to um, to give you kind of close to 25, 15 numbers with 100 runs is hugely, hugely valuable. Yeah, I like Albie's. I mean, I think, you know, it's it's kind of a don't overthink it. Like he's a young player who's already shown it um, in the majors when he's been healthy uh, playing for a really good team hitting in a, you know, in a, an ideal lineup spot. So I think it's a very high floor pick for when you uh, take Albies, even in the, even in the third round. So I got no problem with, with Albies at all. And I, I, I think I agree depending on the draft spot, I'd probably uh, lean toward Albies simply because of the power speed Um Whereas LeMahieu is is really a benefit, you know, a huge benefit in that, in the one category of of average. I mean, he's across the board a yeah. producer, but not quite the way Albie's is. Yeah, my my thing about Albie's, you know, he's got a one twelve DRC plus in his career. You know, you pointed out he just turned twenty four. I can still see some growth with him, and actually, Albie's is going, I, I believe, a tick ahead of of LeMahieu in in an FBC. So, you know, at the same price point, I I think I might rather have LeMahieu. Uh, but people see what I see. I think they're looking at Albies and thinking, well, if there's somebody who could break through at this position and get even better, it's it's Albies. I mean, it's fair to say that that Albies and LeMahieu are kind of the the four and a half star tier, the two that really stand out in this tier for you, because they are for me. I yeah. Think. Yeah. I, I mean, Mer- Merrifield's here because of the steals. Uh, you know, if this if this was were a points league or if this were a real life list, he, he wouldn't belong here. But you know, Whit Merrifield runs, and that that's that's what you're paying for if you're taking Whit Merrifield. You know, at the back end of the third round, which is where he's going. Um, you know, every season he had a down season in 2019. He only sold 20 bases, uh, but before that, 45, 34. Uh, he was on pace for 32 last year. Uh, you know, it, and again, doesn't get caught a lot outside of 2019. My one concern about Merrifield is he's you know thir- he just turned 32 years old. It's a skill position. Uh, players at second or short that the steals can fall off in a hurry. I'm not saying it will, but if it did happen and Merrifield like stopped running or only stole like 10 to 15 bases, it wouldn't shock me. Uh, I'm just not assuming that though. He he's just he's just a reliable player. You can get some power, get a good get a good amount of steals, get a pretty good batting average. Only drawback he's he's not on a very good team. You know the offense isn't isn't that good. But but truthfully, outside of RBI, that hasn't really affected him that much. Yeah, if anything, I think it, um, you know, gives gives him a lot more freedom to run. I, I yeah, I, I echo your concern about age uh, a little bit. And I think people might be a little um, seduced by the 12 steals in 60 games because, you know, it, it was such a small sample that it's I think it's 
there's a huge danger. And I, I've done it for kind of the purposes of making a point in some of my writing this year. But I still think there's a huge danger in just um, prorating, you know, uh, 2020 categories to a full season. And so I would yeah. not look at those 12 steals and be like, Oh, right. that means he's primed for 30 steals next year. Right. I, I just don't, I don't see it. I, I, you know, I don't think, I think Merrifield's pretty safe in 2021. Um, but I do worry about being the one holding the bag if, if yeah. um, the decline well, comes. Yeah. You, using my 162 game model, you know, that I used before 18 home runs, 24 steals going back a, like a calendar year or a baseball year mm-hmm. with a two, with a 299 average. So yeah, j- just really solid. But yeah, if you're, if you're expecting 30, 30, 40 steals. I, I'd, I'd bet on 20 to 25 and, and be happy with that. Uh, you know, I, if anything with this pick, I feel it's more of a safety pick than an upside pick. And you're right. If you're, you're looking at 2020 thing, Ooh, he's got 35 steel upside. You're, you're fooling yourself. Um, so finally here are two disappointments last year, Kettle Marte and Kessenura. Uh, you know, it's really weird. Marte is kind of the opposite of LeMayu. I, I was low on him last year and I think people are, discounting him maybe a little bit too much. Uh, like Albies, he had a wrist injury. Unlike Albies, he didn't hit so much, at least not for power when he came back. I, I still think he's the same hitter. I still think he's really good. And then a year is weird because Kessinura had struggled. Uh, pitchers were, were throwing him high fastballs. He was offering. Uh, the power was still there. The average wasn't. I think you eventually bounces back. I, I just don't know when it's going to be. He could struggle at the beginning of the season. I, I feel like I'd still take the chance on the power. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Yura and... This is an example to me. We, we've talked about this offline, John. Small sample size, people really reacting to it. Uh, like if a young hitter struggled in a 30 or 40 game sample in a full season, we, we'd barely even notice it. Yeah, I agree. I, with Hira, again, it's for me like Albies, it's a don't, don't overthink it. Um, you're with, if you're comparing Hira to Marte, I think. If you're staring at those two, um, looking to choose between them and say the the fourth round, the fourth or fifth, wherever they're they're going, it looks like uh, oh, it looks like the the end of the the fifth, um, beginning of the sixth, around there. Um, if you need average, you lean toward Marte. I think if you need power, uh, you lean toward Hira. Um, I still think there's you know the potential for Hira to get that average up, even though the projections have him mostly in the the two fifties. I just think he's a, you know, a great talent. Um, like you said, I think he's going to put it together. Um, I don't think it's going to take that long. I think he's, 
he's um, you know has a few adjust adjustments to make uh, to you know get some of that swing and miss out. But I think even if he's in the high twenty percent for swing for uh, K rate, you know the, the rest of his game is strong enough to sustain him, and he gives yeah. you a little speed too. So yep. I lean I lean Hira here, but I think they're both. Um, I think they're they're viable picks. I wouldn't say they're bargains where they're going, but I think they're they're properly properly priced right now. Yeah, I agree. I don't think either one's a bargain. I think they're properly priced. Um, you know, it, it's just again, it, it is weird with Marte. Uh, unless people think the risk is going to be a concern again this year, it, it feels like they're they're over. People are overweighing last year's sample, and we're we're going to see a lot of that this year. There, there's really going to be a lot of over reliance on what happened in 2020. <laughs> You know, and like you said, I, I like your philosophy. I like you don't overthink it. Just, just unless there's a real change or you know, an injury, obviously, or a playing time change, it, it's really not worth diving too deeply. Uh, so should we move on to the next tier, John? Let's do it. Good, because there's a lot of names here. I don't even think we'll get to talk about all of them. Nine players in the three-star tier. Um, we'll go top to bottom like we did last time. Um, Kevin Biggio, um, Brandon Lowe, Jeff McNeil. Max Muncy, Mike Moustakas, Jose Altuve, Nick Solak. I, I think Samuel's going to groan it that he's this high. Uh, John Segura and Dylan Moore. Um, anywhere you want to start here, John? Um, I think I just want to briefly talk about um, Brandon Lau because he is – maybe we can fold Lau and Biggio into a discussion because they are the two players who are being drafted um, – comparably to the four-star players and yet i think you know you're i agree in both cases that they are not that they there's a clear fall off um, between the four-star players and biggio and lao i mean i think again the small sample story with lao he had a great season he did well against lefties but i don't think that means that he uh is necessarily um that his platoon split is gone forever and I always just worry about drafting uh, Rays this high because, you know, we saw it with Austin Meadows. Um, we could see it with Lau that the Rays do not care who you are. They do not care what the fantasy community thinks of you. They will they will platoon your ass. You know, they will optimize um, to get, you know, a, um, you know, a right handed bat against a lefty. Uh, if they feel like if their their data suggests that it's going to be beneficial to them, they're not sentimental um, about this. So this might just shave off, you know, maybe like fifty to sixty plate appearances off of a full time projection for Lau, um, maybe more. But there's that risk there, and I just don't that couple with the fact that I don't uh, fully buy into this. You know, suddenly he can hit lefties narrative. Um, he's a great player. He's got, you know, he's got great power. Um, throw him in against any righty, and I, I love having him in there. But going as high as he's going, I just, I just don't see it. So, I yeah. didn't talk about Biggio, but that's my Lao blur. Well, I, I think, and I think we're on the same page. So I, I don't have, you know, much to add. And, and you are right about the Rays. Like unless you perform at a superstar level, there, there's just going to be some limitations. Yeah, you know, Biggio of, of the two. I kind of understand it more. Like I understand why he's being drafted closer to that four star tier. It's because the power speed combo and, and, you know, look, I get the, the, the batting average is low and, and that that's a risk, but I can kind of understand why in this environment, you know, you mentioned your state of position article that, 
we don't nearly see the speed that we used to see. So, you know, you, there's, it used to be second base. Oh, everybody can steal 10 bases easy. You know, not so much anymore. Biggio is a legitimate 2020 talent. You can get that from him. If you're kind of willing to, to hold your nose with the average. The one thing about Biggio is, is that, as you know, I am not the biggest stack cast person and I'm, I'm reluctant to rely on, you know, small sample size numbers, but boy, like his, his, his numbers last year are, are really low, like given what his production is, you know, in, in terms of like the hard hit rate and, you know, the exit velocity and the distance and, it, and he really got the most out of, you know, what he could have, you know, gotten out of like himself on those numbers. He's a talented player, so I can't think he can do it. But it's not necessarily something I'm like, woohoo, you know, I, I definitely believe this. I'm like, you know, I, I think I believe in this. Uh, the other point I wanted to make about Biggio and, and Lau, and, and this this is just something that really you, you see throughout the position and speaks to your your point. There's so many players here because of the pandemic short in 2020, we haven't seen a full season from. You know, mm-hmm. so so Biggio, 100 games in, in his rookie year in 2019, you know, 59 games last year. Um, I am not going to go through through playoffs here and, and try to you know figure all that out. Uh, you know, Lau, um, he's another one. Uh, Forty three games in 2018, 82 in 2019, 56 in 2020. There's something to be said for the grind of a full season and, and what it does or doesn't do to a player. And I I just wonder, like I I really wonder how it's going to shake out for these these players. I'm not saying they'll be bad. I'm just saying there there will be slumps or will be periods where they you know go through a down downtime, and it's one thing to come you know when it's like oh the season's going to end because it's a short season. It's another thing when it happens in May of 2021 and you've still got over 100 games left, and you're essentially a rookie in a sense. And that well I I haven't been through it yet. No, absolutely. Um, and then just looking at at Biggio over the his time in the majors, which amounts to basically a full season although to your point yeah it's not the same adding up these numbers from two years as actually playing a full season and and going through that grind you know you're still looking at a a 240 hitter with an ops under 800 and i know that that's not why you're drafting him but there's something that just this nagging voice for me that's like kevin biggio is is not that great um but everything all the arguments for biggio really have to do with with context like oh he's on a he's on a great team he's you know going to hit near the top of a very productive lineup he's got you know power speed um capabilities um but at at the end of the day i just i kind of want a a player um this early who i feel really strongly about the core skills and I don't think Bijou's a bad player. I just don't think that he's he's a, a talent. He's more like I think on talent alone, he's he's like an eighth to tenth rounder, and uh, all these context factors I think are pushing him up to like the you know the fifth round or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and and some of his position, some of it is is you know again the steals. It, it's just the fact that you know when we, we're going to see this as we go through, steals just aren't what they used to be, and you know I'm going to keep driving this point home because I think it's. You know, it's it's a really important point to make, and, and you know, a, a good player to kind of mention here, you know, as a result of that is, you know, let's just jump right to it, Dylan Moore. So, <laughs> you you and I have have talked about Dylan Moore extensively. You know, it's kind of a joke at BP because there have been two pieces devoted to Dylan Moore this week. Uh, so 
I think we're both on the same page. I, I think we, we think he's being drafted too high. I have him in the last 30 days in draft champions of an ADP of 115. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, look, I, I, I get it. Like I, I get you're you're looking at, you know, steals and power and he's on a bad team and his competition is shed long. So, you know, he, he could very well play, but I really, I, I want no part of Dylan Moore in the 10th round. Like I, I'd be looking at him three or four rounds later. Uh, so as a result, I just don't think I'm going to have any Dylan Moore this year, except in my home league where I, I accidentally discovered I have him. You know, I hadn't looked at the rosters in ten months, and I had him at a cheap price because you know it was 2019. It's like woohoo! Yeah, score. Um, are you going to trust 159 game sample from last year or plate appearance sample? I'm sorry, I wish it were 159. Games. I was going um, to say, yeah, for a sec. Uh, or the 282 plate appearance sample from 2019 where he hit 206, 302, 389. I know he's done some work on the swing. Uh, his, his barrel rate, again, we'll just cite StatCast when it serves our, our purpose, um, <laughs> went from 6.5% in 2019 to 13.8% in 2020. I, that seems like that's a jump that isn't really sustainable. Um, you're looking at probably a 240 to 250 player um, with some steals. And I don't discount that risk that he's, he could, um, he could lose regular playing time. So, eh, I just, you know, I, I mean, it's a lot of the points I was making with Walsh, but as you pointed out um, in, in our DMS that the case actually, the case I was making for Walsh actually works better with, with more um, the, the small sample uh, from, 2020 the fact that he hadn't done a lot before that in the majors and the outside risk um of losing playing time so copy paste and yeah you know let's move move moving along from dylan moore i guess yeah I, because like i said we agree and you might like him a little less than i do but yeah really i i don't you know we didn't talk about him that much so you know, a couple other things here, um, Jose Altuve, but the biggest surprise I had, so I, I have him ranked lower than, than others. And I've, I've got some, some folks ahead of him, uh, particularly Max Muncie and Mike Moustakis who are behind him in ADP. I thought someone in the staff would push back. I thought there'd be some pushback and say, no, Altuve should be higher in this tier. He had a good postseason, et cetera, et cetera. But nobody did. I, I think we all have Jose Altuve fatigue at this point. You know, I was thinking about Altuve, if if the average is not elite anymore, and I don't know if it is, but signs signs point to it not being elite, um, and the, the speed is mostly gone, and you're left with uh, an everyday regular who's going to accumulate health permitting, you know, I'm going down the list and I'm trying to find a name that I might comp him to. This isn't a perfect comp, but, you know, just going down the ADP list, like, I, I almost think that you're getting a player who's gonna who could put up stats similar to Jean Segura, you know, and uh, I, I I like Segura at his price, but I don't like Altuve a hundred picks earlier. And I you know this could be um, undue panic on Altuve, who's who when healthy has been a really you know amazing player both in real life and in fantasy. But all the signs are just pointing down, right? So, yeah. I, I, you know, even it, even outside the top 100, I, it's gonna, it's gonna take a, 
a bit for me to pull the trigger on Altuve because, you know, you're going to get that accumulation, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure how helpful um, he's going to be. Um, so, yeah, my 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 thing about Altuve is just it, it, he hasn't run now in two years, and if this and you know he's he's got injuries that are good reasons he's not running. So so if the speed right. is gone, you know now you're looking at a player who, you know, let, let's say he's a 25 to 30 home run hitter which might be generous. Let's say he's like a 280 hitter, which which maybe that'll work. I just feel like it all has to come together for him to to be in this tier and you know some or, or to be above this tier. And some of it is that you know it used to be 25 home runs from a second base. But I think it's the other side of the argument that you know you're talking about with like, you know, second base where it used to be there was all the speed and, you know, 10 steals, you'd be like, "Oh, that's nice, but big deal." And I go, "Oh, 10 steals from my second base and that's nothing to sneeze at." Power is the other side of it. Like I, I look at Max Muncy and, and Mike Mustakis, for example, and yes, you know they, they obviously come with their their batting average headaches, and you know I think Muncy's you know twenty twenty is an outlier in that sense, obviously, but you know they're they're both not great average hitters, but I feel like the the power Altuve could offer, let's say it's like 25, 27 home runs, it just isn't really special, or it's not special in the way that it it would have been like a a couple or a few years ago. Well, you're saying 25 to 27, and the, the highest projection on the list of Fangraphs projections is 24. Um, they're all ranging from 20 yeah, I was, to I was 24. Yeah, I was going off my 162 game average, but yeah. And, and, okay. proje- and that's fine for the projections to do that because 2019 is his outlier in power. Um, yeah. And beyond that, you know, 24 was his career high. So, you know, 20 to 25 is, is realistic. And again, it might be lower. Like I, I don't know. Se- second base is, is just one of those positions. I, I mentioned this in Merrifield. It, it's a position where players tend to tend to age fast. I know Altuve is only going to be 31 in baseball age this year, but it, it just isn't, you know, given all the other concerns with Altuve, it, it just isn't something that makes me super confident with him where I'm like, yeah, he's definitely going to bounce back. And if I'm wrong and, you know, somebody at, at his current ADP of a hundred, you know, takes him, you know, in, in the sixth or seventh round, he works out well, good for them. You know, I, I just feel like I was all in on Altuve for the last two years. And I feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm just not taking this ride. I, there are players here I'm, I'm more interested in, you know, I, I mentioned Moose and, and Muncie. I, I like them both. Uh, I think at price, I like Moose in particular. Uh, he was, his issue last year was health. He was fine when he was healthy. You kind of know what you're going to get. You're going to get power. You're going to an okay average or in some years, a subpar average. But Mike Moustakis has just been this reliable, you know, player year year in and year out. I was just imagining Moose and Muntz uh, like a buddy cop. Yeah, it does sound like a crime. Yeah, it does Um, sound like a crime show. Yeah, two lovable lunks um, who hit diggers from the left side. I like Moustakis a lot, actually. Um, There was quite a bit of hype when he landed with the Reds, and you know. I, he is a player. I mean, I'm generally inclined to do this and I think, you know, we both are in, in most cases. Um, I, I will severely discount, strongly discount uh, 2020 for him and kind of value him where I had him going into the 2020 season, which is, which is pretty high because I, look, I think that he's, he's actually kind of a, underdog candidate for 40 home runs in great American ballpark. Um, 
it's a very home run friendly park and um even some of our secret uh secret ballpark factors um that have not been released to the public will will show um that this is the case uh yeah i muncie the only thing with me is the dodgersness of it all and the, <laughs> the shuffling that they're going to do i don't i think muncie's basically going to be an everyday player but there's that outside risk uh, that they'll just acquire a ton of pieces like the Padres yeah. have done and mix and match a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think I like you. I lean, I, I lean Moustakis, but yeah, I like them both. Um, yeah, it's more, it's more of a, it's, it's more of a price thing. Cause Moose is going 25 picks later. Mm-hmm. I have them about equal. So I, I, at price, I'd, I'd rather have Moose. Um, thing that works for Muncie for me is, you know, because he can play or that he does play multiple positions, Yes, he'll lose some time, but I could also see him just, you know, filling in yeah. for people. But, you know, they they're not able to go. Um, so a couple more names here. Um, I think I mostly want to touch upon. Sorry, Sam, I'm going to skip Nick Solak unless you really want to say something about him. Uh, Jeff McNeil. We talked about this. I off the show. I I like McNeil, but he said one year he's really hit for power. He's not even quite the average hitter that that Lemayu is, and so yes, I like the average, and I I love to watch Jeff McNeil hit. Like Jeff McNeil, you know, going the other way, you know, totally working the shift when they they've given up shifting on him, but when they the rare cases they do, just just a beautiful hitter to watch. It just doesn't necessarily translate to to fantasy, uh, particularly because really he doesn't even really run for the most part, and I, I know some of that was you know the anomaly of last year, but. You know, going back now to, to 2019, he's got five steals and eight caughts. I, I think the red light's on for him. Uh, and then, you know, John Segura, I, I know you you liked him. You you kind of encouraged me to move him up to this tier. So so what do you see in Segura that you still believe? Uh, high floor, pretty much. Um, okay. Contribution across five categories. Um, I think with Segura, what's interesting is some of the um, – I mean, so he's played at least 142 games every year since 2013. Um, you know, he's career 285 hitter. It's been declining a bit, but certainly not in free fall. And he actually had some, you know, some um, increased power, stat cast power numbers. Again, like you, I, I don't want to hang my hat on stat cast, but I think it's possible that you see like that late career shift for Segura where he adds a little bit of power, um, even if it, he doesn't run quite as much, but I just think, you know, when you're looking at this tier and all the uncertainty, I just feel like Segura is kind of a nice backstop. Like he's a good everyday, everyday second baseman to get before you really get into the, the choppy waters. So it's, it's not a, it's not so much that I like Segura, you know, for, to be a, um, a huge bargain here, but I just think that there's not a lot of risk. Yeah, I mean he's he's solid. You know, my my thing about Segura, and again, this is where I, I do agree with your point about the power, and I, I like the fact that he's in a park that that plays very well for power, uh, and that should help him. I, I do wonder about the steals. Like that, that's a piece I worry about a little bit. Like even in 2019, he stole 10, and that the power is going to have to come. Like he's going to have to hit 20 home runs if he if that's all he's going to do on the bases. So I I don't really. You know, no. The one thing I'll say is that the Phillies do run like they're 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 a team. You know, they're managed by Joe Girardi. Uh, you know, he he's not a you know a new newfangled manager. Where he's like, I refuse to run. 
So I, there's some players on that team that can run, and I, I don't think he's going to you know be shy about letting Segura you know try to steal bases if if Segura wants to. So that that's one thing in his favor. So I, I can ahead. I just say one one more thing about that, and he's I think Segura is a good example of a philosophy that I think I'm going to try to implement this year, which is to really privilege. Um, you know, play everyday players and accumulation, which I just think there's going to be a lot of, mm. you know, a lot of these players in second base is a perfect position to illustrate that. There's just going to be a lot of um, platooning and playing time, um, you know, right. fluctuations. And so I, I really want to have the core of my roster be like yeah. players that I can kind of count on for 600 plate appearances and, you know, six starts a week. Yeah, I mean, I I say amen. I mean, that 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 was my formula for, and has been my formula for a long time, and and especially like in mono leagues. But but even in deep mixed, I, I and in a league like NFBC where you only have you know so many bench slots, you can't really you know do it. Like you you can't really survive by like you know getting too cute and having a bunch of part timers. It's like yeah, great production, but four or five starts a week. You can get away with it in one or two slots. You you really can't do it across the board. It's 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 a recipe for failure. So I I absolutely agree with that. So I want to segue to the two star just because you know, you kind of mentioned Segura is the you know I forget the term you use exactly, but the you know you feel like he's a differentiator or somebody like yeah he definitely has that you know three star feel. Whereas like the players below you know their their separation. So so let let's take a look at that. Let let's take a look at the two star and and see if we agree and and see if there's a clear clear drop here. Um, so we've got Tommy Edmond, Nick Madrigal, Gavin Lux, Ty France, Jonathan Vr, John Birdie, Scott Kingry, Andres Jimenez. Who I, I will say preface this by saying that this rank was before uh, Cleve, the Cleveland baseball team signed um, Cesar Hernandez and David Fletcher. Um, Ooh. So yeah, a lot, a lot of names there, and this this tier, and this makes sense in these bottom tiers. Like I feel like this tier is just all over the place. Uh, you, you've got your rookies or not quite rookies in Madrigal Lux. Uh, you, you've got your I don't want to say veterans, but you've got Fletcher, who's just kind of the steady, boring player who just is going to do what he does. Probably the the player here with the most I don't want to say upside, but the player who I think some people would think is a three star player based on his ADP is Tommy Edmond. I I, I suspect you're with me, and you're like, yeah, you know, Edmond's fine, but I just haven't seen it yet where I necessarily believe that he's that three star player. You know, I was totally prepared to buy back in on Edmond, thinking that his draft price would drop, and it has not. From last year, I, no. at least if I'm remembering correctly, I feel like he was going around in the 120s. I think it's about the same. And actually, I I want to say he was at one. I'm going to go look it up now while while you talk about Edmund. Okay. I want to say he was at 132. That that's mm-hmm. my memory. So he might be like a, a tick higher. <laughs> now I, I trust your I trust your memory, but I you know he's fine. I guess the you know, everything fell off a bit, um, as I think a lot of us predicted it would. So I'm, I'm reasonably confident that you're going to get, you know, every day, uh, at bats, um, from Edmund. I just don't know if he's like a 
eight home run guy or a 15 home run guy. I don't know if he's a 10 steel guy or a 20 steel guy. I don't know if he's going to hit a 260 or 290. Like I just don't have this. The error bar seems pretty, pretty wide for, for Edmund. Um, because, you know, he had that shooting out of the gates, um, partial season in 2019 and he was pretty meh in in 2020 but there's the cardinals factor which is Mm -hmm. you know as we've noted when we talked about paul goldschmidt last week you know they played what like 63 double headers in four days or something um so i just don't know i don't know how to to really value edmund which means that i'm probably only in if if he falls like two rounds beyond this this draft price yeah, which I don't think he will. You know, enough people really are buying in on Edmund. I, I I believe they're buying in more on the steals than than everything else. And I, I've trotted these numbers out over and over again. Like his combined 2019-2020, 16 homers, 17 steals, 283 average, and 576 plate appearances, which sounds good. But I, I just don't think that's the, that's the Edmund that you're getting. It, it's going to either be he steals a bunch of bases, he hits for average, or he really struggles, and finally, over a full season, he kind of gets exposed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, some some of the other players here, there, there's a lot of speed plays. Uh, you know, Jonathan VR, I, I moved him down because it's like, look, I, if he does get a full time job and he does play, we know what he can do. He can run. If he does nothing else, you know, and he steals forty bases, that has value. I just think in real life that you know what VR is doesn't really have value, and I, I could very well see him either on the bench somewhere or or nowhere, where, where teams like yeah, I'm, I'm not shelling out money for Jonathan VR in a, in a climate where I'm not shelling out money for players who are are better. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's it's really uh, a commentary on the state of the game that um, this is not really a, I'm pivoting from VR, but the you know, your article came out on, on Tuesday. I think you solidified your, you know, you put out the final draft of your tiers, what, on over the weekend, I think? It was, it's usually Friday. So, like, right. those, you know, while, while you're listening to this, uh, the tiers came out, like, my final came out six days ago in terms of and, the, for the staff. And already, I mean, I think Profar was signed before that, just before that. But then Hernandez. Yeah, we got- yeah her, that's, that's priced in. But then Cesar Hernandez, as you mentioned, uh, Tommy Listella, whom we might mention later. Uh, so that so there's just so, so much fluctuation with um, unsigned players uh, right now. And I saw a rumor that um, you know the uh, that Cleveland was was um, exploring a trade with Cincinnati uh, to move Ahmed Rosario. So we don't know what uh, Jimenez's value is going to be. He could even go back to the minors if they have Hernandez and. And Rosario there, and they want him to get everyday reps. So it's just a lot of uncertainty, and VR is is certainly part of that. Um, yeah, the reason VR stands out, as you mentioned, is because he's he's demonstrated he has the elite um, steals um, ability. But uh, you, you know, in in years past, you could be reasonably sure he was going to be an everyday player, even if he mm-hmm. signed late. But this year, like we don't know, we just don't know if yeah. he's going to make it to a major league roster on opening day. Well, that, that's the thing about a lot of the players in this tier. Like, there, there's some real, you know, playing time questions, you know, or, or you know, kind of wondering, like, you know, even John Birdie. Like, John Birdie's projected to start, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's more of, of a super sub type and, and all over the diamond 
Um, I, I really like Gavin Lux. I, I suspect Lux starts out in the minors, though, and it, it's just a question of, well, you know, how, how much, you know, how much does he play? And, of course, then there's the weird question, what does the minor league season look like in 2021? We haven't even really talked about that and, you know, how or if that will, will shake out and, and, you know, what, what shape that takes. I mean, it's almost by process of elimination that I think I like Kingery best in this in this tier. Um, yeah. You know, he's for him last year was was the lost really a lost season. I think he he battled uh, COVID. Um, he did right, and that kept him out. And then he never never really had the chance. To and, get when he, going. and when he came back, he was one of those players. Like, I mean, he was as good as he's not as good as Joe Mankata, and we'll, we'll talk about him next week, but. You know, same thing where he had said, like, I wasn't quite right. I felt right. off. You know, I just I was playing, but there there was just something wrong and I knew it. And yeah, so I, I, I feel like with Kingery, you just have to look at last year and be like, yeah, it, it's you can just throw it out. But but even the Phillies, you know, the Phillies are, are talking about bringing in a middle infielder. And again, it makes me wonder, you know, will Kingery go back to that that super sub role mm-hmm. or will he start? And if he does, you know, it goes back to your, what you talked about with playing time. I really like Scott Kingery. I, I hope he works out. But if if he's all over the diamond and not a starter, he's probably appropriate here. Yeah, looking at the Phillies uh, roster, they, they don't have a real shortstop. They've got Segura slotted into shortstop, but that's probably not what they want. Um, and then they've got Kingery at second. So yeah, I think I think that's a good point that the the Phillies are probably not finished. Um, it it, it feels to like roster. Yeah, it feels like there's going to be a Didi Gregorius reunion. Is is well, my suspicion? <laughs> yeah, because he's the last shortstop standing now that Semyon yeah. right signed. Right. So. I mean, unless they go for Colton Wong, which you know, we can talk about him later. But again, to your point, I, I think they look at Segura now at this point, like yeah. You know, he can play short, but we're not as confident as we would have been like three or four years ago. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That is a little cast a little bit of of doubt on on Kingery. But I think mainly as someone who you should push the reset button on and not really hold 2020 against him from a performance standpoint. Kingery, I think, is, you know, still a a viable power speed guy. Yeah, I agree. And then, you know, I, I think finally in this tier, because uh, we mentioned in pre-show, Nick Madrigal. I I don't think anyone questions the talent. Like I, I think he's going to be a hell of a player. I I just don't know how it's going to translate to fantasy. Like that that's the piece that I I kind of scratch my head and go, well, how how is this going to work? You know, particularly if he doesn't have very much power. I mean, I'm kind of fascinated by Madrigal because he engenders some pretty strong feelings by some of our. BP colleagues, like I know, at least I feel like in the past, Brett has been a, a very big Madrigal uh, supporter, even for fantasy. And I know JP Breen um, likes Madrigal quite a bit. I, I, I just, you know, I'm I, at the risk of just um, echoing what what you've already said in the article. Yeah, the hit tool is great. The speed, there's upside there for steals. But you could be talking about like really, really low end power, like zero homers power. Um, you know, certainly single digits, probably five or, or fewer homers. So I have a really hard time in this environment, especially taking such a hit in power um, and then consequently in RBI too. 
uh, even if like he just has to be really, really high end in runs in average and in steals, I think to justify him being like a, you know, if, if he has a ceiling, it's like a top hundred to 150 pick, like he really has to just go off the charts in, in those categories. And I'm not seeing it yet this year. Like, I just don't, I could, I could very well be wrong. Cause you know, I trust our, our prospect team. I trust, you know, prospect writers out there who say this talent is, you know, is, is absolutely not, um, that it's, if not generational, at least exceptional. Yeah. I, 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 I don't can't question do it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, can't I don't do question it. the talent. Like th- this is, this is just one of those situations where, yeah, it, it's such a rough profile for fantasy. And, you know, you mentioned the projection models, the projection models on, on Madrigal, I feel are rough. Uh, you know, it's a range between 284 and, and 304 in batting average, three and seven home runs, uh, 15 to 20 steals. I, the average could very well be better. I, I could see him hitting 300 uh, right out of the gate. It's just that if he's a 300 hitter, like you said, there, there's almost no power, and you're looking at 20 steals. Outside of it only, it's 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 tough because you know we we we've talked about this with other players, and you know I remember for years we talked about Billy Hamilton, like, and it was the idea of like, okay, well, it's great to get the all those steals, but now you have to really think about how else you're going to put your roster together. It's, it's the same sort of thing with Madrigal, without as many steals, and yes, the average makes up for it. But that's kind of the problem. It's like, okay, well, if I get this hitter who's going to hit three to five home runs at, at a middle infield position, now I really need to start thinking about where I'm getting that power from. And now I really need to start thinking about where I'm getting those RBI from. And it, it just leads yeah. to a cascade effect where I feel like your margin for error, it's not zero. You, you can win a league with Nick Magical. I don't overstate it. But you just have to be kind of careful. And, that, and that's why he's here. That's why he's in the yeah. two tier as opposed to higher. Just two final points on Madrigal. He had shoulder surgery um, in the off season. Was expected surgery in early October was expected to require five to six months of recovery time. So that might push his his start back. And um, you know, obviously, having shoulder surgery not good for for power if you were planning on developing any. The other thing I'll say is, in the White Sox with so many sluggers there, like it might just put a cap on the the steals upside for him. Like the projections have him 15 to 20 range. That's probably fair, but it's not a, it's not a well, difference making amount. Yeah. I, you know, the other thing about the White Sox, we've kind of seen this with like Tim Anderson, Yo Mankata. They don't really run. Like they, they don't run mm-hmm. as much as you'd expect. You know, it's one of those things like they, they have players who are fast. And I remember with Tim Anderson, when Tim Anderson, you know, first came up, people were like, Oh, he's going to steal 40 to 45. He's super fast. This, that, and the other yeah, he's certainly stolen some bases, but you know Tim Anderson has never put together that year where you're like, oh my gosh, like yeah, he did it. Like he he stole 45 bases or 40 bases. His highest 26, and yes, some of that was you know in 2018 when he stole 26, he was not getting on base, but still, it, it it's just one of those weird things where it's like, yeah, I would have, I would have you know, expected more you know from Tim Anderson, and that that could be a, a problem for Madrigal too, which is well. The White Sox historically just haven't, you know, really run. Um, yeah, I think the other thing I, I kind of want to point out, uh, you know, you mentioned the surgery. It could affect Madrigal's steals, too. Like, the the player I, I kind of remember, you know, that we all worried about, you know, in, in 2019 was um, Adalberto Mondesi with the Royals. You know, before he had his shoulder surgery, you know, he, people were like, will he run? And he was kind of tentative. 
that could have a magical and, and we don't know i i don't want to assume that but you know it's just yet another factor to to kind of weigh into his his fantasy value i i again want to emphasize i think he's a really good player yep okay so any i i think one starts here right we're we're just let's, about heading to the home it. stretch and yeah i'm excited see. I'm going to read the names and, you know, we, we can play America's favorite game and maybe because second base, there's so many and it's our catch all position. We can add some additional commentary here. So one star tier, uh, Jake Cronenworth, Jerickson Profar, Mauricio Dubon, Nico Goodrum, Luis Arias, Nico Horner, and Chad Pinder. So I will admit I, this tier would be different if I were putting it together today because of some of the sightings you mentioned. Um, so let, let's, uh, let's play the game where we, you know, pick who gets to go first. I just did a number randomizer. So I am actually on the spot this week and I get to go first. Uh, so I have to pick my one star, uh, in the article was Chad Pinder. Uh, I'm not going to do that today. Uh, I'm actually going to, going to pick a name that wasn't in the article. We haven't really talked a lot about, and this is a, a deep league special and that's Joey Wendell. Um, uh, yeah, so Joey Wendell is just one of those players and who I, I kind of wish I had, you know, I kind of wish I had ranked him here. I, I know he's got the Tampa like playing time conundrums and all that, but he does a little bit of everything. He's got a little bit of power. He's got some speed uh, outside of 2019. He, he hits for average. He's, he's a career 277 hitter. And yeah, I, I kind of like Joey Wendell as my deep league special. Somebody that, you, you know, even in an only, I think you can get for like five to seven bucks and you're going to be pretty happy with. And I, I feel in, a, in like an NFBC 15 team mixed, kind of a nice player to have on, on the back end of your roster. And the only thing about Wendell is Wendell usually more often than not is going to wind up with some multi-positional eligibility. So you'll be able to slot him in anywhere in the diamonds. So yeah, he's... And I bring him up because nobody ever brings up Joey Wendell. I don't think anyone ever really thinks, ooh, you know, Joey Wendell's going to win me my league. Yeah, and he, like I said, he's already eligible at three positions, second, short, and third, heading into uh, heading into 2021. Uh, so let's see who's next on our randomizer. Uh, so Samuel, wake up. You're you're next. Who's your who's your target here, either in the tier or off the board? Well, I don't know enough about the position to go off the board, but luckily there's a name I'm very familiar with on the board. Even though I have literally no idea how much time this player is going to get in the field, I will never not believe in jerks and pro far. And I'm going to tell you why. It's not because of anything he's actually done. It's because they brought in his friend, you Darvish. I don't know if you guys saw the very lovely picture that Darvish posted on his Twitter of him and Profar smiling together. We looked like in a car in San Diego and they just looked so damn happy <laughs> and a happy baseball player is a productive baseball player. And I can't pretend to know what the Padres are doing. Hell, I don't think AJ Preller knows what they're doing except wake up, see what GMs have responded to his you up text and try to trade for all their best players because they don't want to pay them. I support this strategy. Mind you, I think it's wonderful and I think it's going to result in very good things for the Padres but I have no idea what their infield is going to look like this year. I don't know who's going to get the playing time. But I have long been and will probably always be a believer in Jerks and Profar as a player and a brand. So if I get the opportunity to endorse him and with the added bonus that he's happy that his friend Yu Darvish is back in his life, then yeah, I think you should have him. I think it's a good idea. 
I'm probably wrong, but I, I've been wrong before. Yeah, so so one thing I'll say is that, you know, b- between Jurks and Profar and Jake Cronenworth, and it's not even just price, I think as a raw pick, I think I'd rather have Profar. Like, I, I, I feel like if I had to choose one, and I know playing time for both is an issue, yeah, I, I'd, I'd want Profar between the two. That, that's my hot take here. I don't think you're wrong. I mean, I think no, he's got I, more talent. I think this podcast is unanimous on that on that issue. Um, at the risk of being, you know, labeled as Cronenworth haters, um, this is more like we're at least speaking for myself, and I assume for Samuel, we are profile lovers more than Cronenworth haters. So. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm Cronenworth wary. I, I it's one of those like you know you, you talk about the the sixty game sample. I feel like that's all we have to look at with him and people are looking at it like, you know, it, it's the law and it's like, eh, I, I don't see it yet. But well, he, he didn't even play a full 60 game sample. Either. Well, I know. I know. That's, that's yeah. fair. So, John, who do you who do you have at this position? I think I know, but I, I want to hear it. I think you don't know, actually. Uh, so I, I will just preface this by saying I. I did write about Mauricio Dubon in my second baseman to target, so you can read my thoughts on Dubon there. I don't think that changes with the acquisition of Tommy Lastella, um, because I think Dubon right now is more um, ticketed for center field than the infield. Um, you thought I was going to say Tommy Lastella. I'm not, because I'm going to. I'm going to not talk about um, Giants in this. I see. I thought. Yeah, I thought you were going to pick a Giant. I, I no, I'm I am not going to do that. I'm going to talk instead about um, a national uh, by the name of Starlin Castro. Ooh, I thought about uh, that too. Yeah, he's that's a good pick. <laughs> so I don't. Castro lost most of 2020 with a broken wrist, but he was already rehabbed and ready to go play winter ball. And the Nats said, "No, just chill out and get ready for the season." Um, so I'm throwing out, you know, 2020 scratch that in 2019 dude hit 270 with 22 homers and 86 RBI. Like he, over the last couple of years that he was playing full time, he's actually getting better. Um, right now he, he has an everyday job somewhere in the Washington infield. Um, probably second if they go key boom at third, but he is just this quiet accumulator with um, in the middle of a decent lineup, nice average floor and going at pick 298. I mean, if I've bailed on the position up to this point and I'm getting desperate, like, you know, give me the safe Harbor of, of Starling Castro here, because, uh, you know, compared to a lot of these names here, there's just a lot of mystery, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of dodgy skills and I think Castro is, if he does indeed start the season with an everyday job, like he is just plug and play. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, the more I, the more I looked at him, it was funny. I, I was surprised when I did that like one year look back, you know, at how much like where he ranked in home runs in the position. Like he has twenty home runs, which was tied for eleventh with with a bunch of other people. You know, in, in that like, and it, it's just something to behold. It's like, yeah, I didn't realize that he did that much and like, you know, I don't oversell it, you know, he's Sterling Castro, but at that price, you're absolutely right. Like, I feel like there's just, you know, outs in, in non OBP leagues in particular, he he's going to return value at that price. That, that's a good pick, John. Why? Well, thank you. 
Is there anything else that we want to talk about at this position? Because I know you mentioned Listella, and I know we've mentioned some of these recent signings. Usually we sign off here, but is there anything else that we, we want to you know kind of bring up before we close? No, except poor Donovan Solano. Um, I think you rightfully removed him from the one star, even though he hit like, you know, 300, like 320 something last year. Um, but yeah, the dude, the dude just can't catch a break. I don't, I don't think he's an everyday player um, with the signing of Listella. So just quiet, quietly um, sad for, for him. So other than that, I've, I've got nothing uh, to I, add to the second yeah. discussion. I feel like he wasn't he hitting. I'm, I'm looking. Yeah, I feel like he's seeing 500. But no, at one point he was hitting. I think it was 458 in those first few games where it just made him look, you know, much better than he was. And yeah, I, I was happy for him and glad he did what he did. But yeah, I think it was the right decision to remove him from the tier. Thank you once again to listening to Flags Fly Forever, a baseball prospectus fantasy baseball podcast. Uh, don't forget a couple of things. One, uh, you can read all of our fantasy content, our 20 articles a week. John, me, all the writers you love at baseballperspectus.com. You know, please uh, do check it out. Uh, also, it looks like the annual is has been shipping. I, I see pictures of, of many happy people with their baseball prospectus annual. Um, you can order at Amazon.com. Uh, you can order through eBooks. Uh, John's in it. I'm in it. We we wrote uh, some player profiles. Um, Samuel, I don't remember if you're in it or not, and I feel sheepish, uh, you know, saying that. But I think you're in it as well. Uh, I don't believe that I am. However, well, see, now I feel very foolish. Well, hang on here. I'll save it for you. Uh, when you listen to this, this episode goes live at midnight Central Time, 1 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Friday, the Rangers top 10 list will be out on the, the prospect side, and I am all over that. So if you want to make up for Mike's terrible mistake and read my writing, please go to that and read all over that and retweet it and do all fun things for that, because I worked a lot on that this year uh, in various ways, and it's coming out to, on the 29th, and I am super excited for everyone to get to see it. Yeah, and I am too, because Samuel does good work, and you know, actually, you, you've turned me on to a few Rangers prospects over the years, so I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so for Mike Gianella, John Hagelin, Samuel Hale, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'll be back in your ears next week uh, with Third Baseman. Thanks for listening. Bye, y'all. <laughs>